Give another hearty amen. amen. Sharing that with us today. I love that song. Oh Lord, how excellent. Particularly for one verse. I don't know about you, but I've been called crazy for serving the Lord. I have been called stupid for serving God in my young age and wanting to make my decisions in line with his word. And I'm just grateful for one part of that song that is also in the Bible as well, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm just grateful that I'm not doing this thing in vain. I'm grateful I'm not just serving God because I can, but I'm serving God because he's real. Amen. He's alive. He is God. And I'm just grateful today that I serve the Lord. How about you? This morning, this morning, this morning, we're still in God's city, my city, the series. And if you don't mind, stand to your feet right now. Not for me, but in honor of God's word. Grab your Bibles in your hands, smartphone, iPad, tablet. I pray it's iPad more than it's a tablet. I pray it's an iPhone more than a Galaxy. But uh, <clears throat> whatever you have today, grab that thing. Flick it, click it, whatever you have to do to the book of Acts. Right after the book of John, Acts chapter 1. It's usually called the Acts of the Apostles. But we all know it should be called Acts of the Holy Spirit, for he is guiding the movements of God's people. Acts chapter 1, when you have it, just shout back at me, Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 1, here is what the word of God says to us this morning. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was indeed alive. What was he? He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God on one occasion while he was eating with them. He gave them this one simple command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. But what? But what? For the gift of my father that he has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For it's John, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom unto Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. In other words, it's none of your business, but you will receive power. What will you receive? When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him, beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Come on. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, he will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. Won't you pray with me, Father? We would see Jesus. Nobody has come into the building this morning to see me. Nobody has come to hear my words. And if they have, they will be disappointed for what they need from you right now is a word in due season. We need you to speak loud and clear. Uh, We don't need conjectures. We don't need speculation. We don't need clever stories. I personally, John Anthony Coxum, needs a thus saith the Lord from you right now in order to cap off this past week that I've had and set me up for the week that is about to begin. Father, we want to hear your voice. Do not disappoint us. Oh God, how excellent is thy name. In all the earth, every knee shall bow, 
And every tongue shall confess that you are God. Right now, make yourself known. Make yourself heard. Make whatever you have to say clear. May not my speech be confounded, God. May I not mess up what you have for your people. And Father, when it's all said and done, let nobody remember the messenger. Not even so much the message, but oh God, we need to remember the master that is in the message. And today, oh God, we pray that you will be with us. And when it's all said and done, save us into your blessed kingdom. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. It's worth the wait. You may be seated. It's worth the wait. Hmm. Because he was able to escape a crate that had been nailed shut and then tossed overboard into the water, because he was able to escape a pair of handcuffs that had been forged by a world-renowned locksmith that took him five years to make. Because he was submerged in a coffin, literally buried alive beneath the earth and somehow came back, most people believe that Harry Houdini was the most brilliant escape artist this world has ever seen. Most people, that is. And I would simply say to most people who believe that, that most people have not actually read the story of Jesus. I am often confounded and bewildered how one man could die on one day and live again the next. It is awesome to me that a man, Jesus Christ the righteous, passed through the portals of death and came back on the other side. Does that make you happy today to know that Jesus lives honestly and sincerely? Don't just have me up here talking like I'm crazy. That's good news to me. That Jesus, the God that we serve, is alive according to the Bible that we read on a daily basis. But if you don't believe me, allow me to recount the story. The Bible says on Friday evening, Jesus hung his head and he said, it is finished. On that time, his spirit went to the Lord. And at that time, uh, the Bible says that Joseph of Arimathea begged the body of Jesus, took it down off of the cross, clean and ceremonially washed him, then covered him in ceremonial spices and ceremonial burial garments, laid his dead, lifeless body on a cold slab inside of Joseph's tomb and left him there to die. Not only that, but they rolled a stone in front of the tomb, sealing him there. Then Pilate sent Roman centurions to stand guard outside of the tomb just so that his followers would not come in the middle of the night and take him out. Well, the word of God says in Matthew chapter 28, and if you don't believe me, check it out for yourself. It's right there in the Bible that at early Sunday morning, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, an angel shot down from glory at the command of God. And when he came down, the Bible says he was filled with glory and radiance and clothed with the panoply and army armor of God. The earth began to shake around where the tomb was. And this angel shot down, stood there. And as the earth began to shake, the Roman centurions, the Bible says they were shook and shaken so much that they fell as dead men beside the tomb. While they are laying there in almost comatose and unconscious for a moment, the Bible says that the angel begins to brace himself and place his hands on the tomb and begin to roll away that stone. But not only does he roll away the stone, the Bible says, again, you can read it for yourself, the word of God says not only does he roll away the stone, but he sits on the stone. Oh, you missed your shouting cue there. Not only did the angel roll away the stone, brothers and sisters, the angel sat on the stone as if to symbolize to the world that God is the master of life and death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? And because I know many of you are going to fall asleep before I even get to the appeal today, I'm going to give you something that you can take home so you can at least say, I got that. Maybe, maybe, maybe the angel is trying to tell us today that there There is no dead circumstance in our lives that God cannot bring back to life. There is no hopeless situation that God does not have carte blanche control over. There is nothing in your life. We may feel like Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones from time to time, and we may ask God, God, can these bones live again? And God, with a breath from his nostrils, can bring life back to anything that has happened in our lives. Amen. 
angel sits on the stone and then he turns inside of the cave where Jesus is and begins to yell in, Jesus, the father calls thee home. And at that sound, Jesus begins to get up. He wipes off the soot and the dust from the Friday. And from that time where he was beaten all night long, he wipes off the dust and the splinters from the cross that he has carried all the way up the Via Dolorosa. He takes off the ceremonial burial garments. He begins to fold them and lay them on the cold slab. And then Jesus, without the help of so much as a defibrillator to bring his heart back to beating, walks out of the tomb as if nothing happened I am telling you today that a dead man (laughs) lived again if you don't have anything else to shout for in your life at least shout for the fact that your God is alive and well as Jesus walks out of that tomb the story is clear He walks around Jerusalem. He finds his disciples. He finds Mary and Martha. He reveals himself to them for what seems like 40 days. He shows them himself. He tells them of things that are going to happen. Also, he tells them of everything that he has been through. He breaks down all the sayings that he has said. For 40 days, he spends time with them. Then finally, when we get to the book of Acts, Jesus gathers his disciples together one for one more last meeting before he has to leave. Now, this is exciting for the disciples. They've seen a man who has just died come back to life. Jesus, they were scared. They were worried. They were anxious. They didn't know what they were going to do. Now, Jesus has come back to life, and they just know amongst themselves that God is going to do something great for them to reward them for the time that they have spent in his service. So if you don't mind, use your sanctified imagination with me. I have a very vivid imagination. They've told me that since I was a child. Maybe I watch too much TV or movies or read too many comic books, but here it is. I just want to imagine that the disciples are kind of like a sports team right now. And we're not going to say they're the Cleveland Browns because they're better than that. We're not going to go there this morning. We won't make that mistake, Jesus. No, 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 no. We won't do that. But the truth is there are some similarities between them. If you know any NFL football team, only 11 players are allowed on the field at any given time. And truth be told, the disciples have now dwindled down to just 11 of them. If you remember, one of them, Judas, had betrayed Jesus, and then he killed himself by hanging himself on a tree. So it's 11 of them now, and Jesus being coach Jesus, if you will, huddles together his disciples one last time to give them the game plan for the rest of this journey. It's really like the fourth quarter right now. It's the bottom of the ninth, and they're about to go into overtime. But really and truly, the disciples have been the most undefeated team in Earth's history. For three and a half years, they really haven't lost a battle. Every demon that they have come across, Jesus has been able to cast out. He turned water into wine. He fed 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. He caused Peter to walk on water. Jesus Christ himself walked on water. He brought Lazarus back from the tomb. He opened the eyes of the blind, unstopped the ears of the deaf, opened the mouth of the dumb and the mute. Jesus did just about everything that he could possibly do while he was on earth. And even the time when they thought they lost because they thought they had a hang-up on Calvary, they found out later that what, was, what they thought was a loss was actually going to be put in the win category for them. What they thought was bad actually worked the best good for them. And so really and truly, they are an undefeated team. And Coach Jesus is now about to bring them together to give them the game plan for the rest of it. So Christ has them together. If you can imagine, the disciples are waiting with bated breath right now. They are anticipating what Jesus is going to say. We know that he's going to do something great. Boy, we're going to get ours now. He's going to break us off something good right here. We know that Jesus has been through death. He's done all these great things. But we know he's going to tell us something great. And they're waiting for what 
Jesus is going to do next. They're in the huddle now, and Jesus is looking around at them, and he is telling them, listen, brothers, I got something spectacular for you right now. You ain't going to believe this. This is the biggest thing yet. I want to tell you what it is. If you just listen to me, listen, here is the game plan. And the disciples are really chomping at the bit. They're salivating. They're, they're, they're rubbing their hands together like, oh, my gosh, what is he going to say right now? And Jesus says, here is the game plan. I want you to wait. Deuces, I'll see you in a couple thousand years. I'm just reading the text, y'all. The word says, Jesus said, look at the text, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait (laughs) for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Jesus says, my game plan, what I want you to do is actually Don't do anything at all. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. Now, I put myself in the disciples' shoes and asked some very pertinent questions. And I'm sure if Peter was, just like the Bible records him to be, his characteristics and his traits were, I'm sure Peter was like, yo, what? I know you got to be joking. There's got to be more. Maybe he forgot something, guys. I don't know. What do you mean, just wait? Aren't you going to give us something? Aren't you going to reward us? Aren't you going to put us in mansions on high? Aren't you going to bless us? Aren't you going to zap us and help us to win the Powerball so we can get rich? Brother, what are you talking about? Wait, hold up a second. I just spent three and a half years walking around the hot Middle East just to follow you. I left my wife and my kid. My wife is going to kill me. I left her alone with the kids. I left my job. Y'all know they left them, right? My job, my family, my friends, my loved ones, my house, my home, my hobbies, the things that I like to do. I have left all of that to follow you. And the only word you got for me right now is wait. Just don't make no doggone sense. Then the Bible says they asked him, well, maybe we ought to be more specific about what we want from him. Uh, Jesus, the Bible says they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Then Jesus responds, it is none of your business. It is not for you to know the times and the dates the father has set by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses my what in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth and the disciples are just like Jesus what in the world are you talking about Holy Spirit what in the world is the Holy Spirit I mean we heard you talk about that thing but we didn't really take you seriously at that time in fact you said a lot of stuff and truth be told the disciples at that time had not even uncovered or understand they did not even understand everything that Jesus told them while he was on earth Now, while the disciples have no doubt made their plans, and while they had already had big thoughts of what Jesus was going to do for them, and it seemed like they had already waited enough for where this thing was going to end up and where it was leading because they did not know where Jesus was going with this thing, God disappointed their hopes one more time, and he simply said to them, listen, I just want you to wait. My brothers and my sisters, if the people of God would learn to wait on God, we would experience tenfold the power of God in our lives that we have right now. Amen. God said, just wait for me and I will give you the Holy Spirit and I will give you power. And can I be real this morning? Is that all right with you? No, no, no. Can I really be real this morning? I know that patience is a fruit of the spirit and it's a virtue and maybe waiting is probably one of those spiritual disciplines that I should have mastered by now, at least as a Christian or maybe even as a pastor. But the truth is waiting for me, at least I don't know about you, is probably the most difficult part of life itself, let alone the Christian spiritual experience. 
I don't like waiting, brothers and sisters. Even in my natural life, I am very impulsive. I want to get things done. I want to get it over with so it can be out of my head at that moment. And if you say you are going to be somewhere and you're going to meet me there, you better be there on time. I don't like being disappointed. I don't like being late. And I don't like waiting. Oh, y'all not with me today. Okay, okay. One thing I hate, and you probably can agree with me too, I hate it when I go to McDonald's and I swing into the drive-thru line. And all I asked for was a dollar menu order of fries. And I pay them and I roll around to the second window. I don't like it when I have to wait 15 and 20 minutes for an order of fries. To me, it just doesn't seem that hard for somebody to do. All you have to do, especially when the fries are pre-cut and frozen, sling those things in the oil, bring them back up, throw them in my carton, drop it in the bag, hand it out the window, and give it to me so I can go about my merry way. Do you agree with me today? Okay, well, okay, okay, you don't agree. You don't even know what I'm talking about today. If it's called fast food, it ought to at least be fast. Uh, um, I, I hate it when I go to Walmart, y'all, or any other store. Let me not be, let me not hang up on Walmart. But I hate it when they have about 20 registers in that store. But then every once in a while, during the busy time of the day, when everybody is shopping, they only got two of those registers open. <laughs> The line is from the cash register all the way back to the audiovisual center, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. And then also I have to wait in line to get to the cashier who's going to be rude to me. Oh, no, 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 we ain't having that today. She's going to snatch the money out of my hand, throw me back the change. I just don't like waiting. Mm. Even when I used to play chess and checkers with my dad. My dad would always tell me, John, you got a hot head and you're impatient. Play checkers with my dad. And I just always like to jump my dad and take his pieces because I thought I was winning. <laughs> so I would jump him every time I got a chance. I'd wait for him to move there and jump him and jump him and jump him. All the while, my dad was circumventing me, <laughs> being patient in the game. And when he finally got his king in position, he jumped me for what seems like uh, 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 a dozen times. <laughs> and won the game because I just hate waiting man oh yeah yeah yeah. and it kind of translates into my spiritual life as well brothers and sisters see I, I I get a few things when it comes to the spiritual game of life but I don't get other things see I, I get and I understand that we have to read our Bibles from time to time y'all get that that's the easy stuff that's the black and white part of the Bible that's not a gray area I get it I need to read the word of God so I can have some promises to quote from time to time I get that I need to pray and stay on my knees and talk to God I understand I need to pay my tithe because the word of God says I ought to do that. I also understand that I need to come to church and have fellowship with my brothers and sisters. But the one thing I don't get is having to wait on a God that I call on every single day for an answer that he's probably going to give me tomorrow that I need today. I do not get and I just don't like the fact that God is waiting to move in my life next year when I need an answer to my problem right now. Oh, y'all not with me. You must have never been through nothing or had to wait on God for anything. I don't get having to wander in the darkness of my circumstance, wondering when God is going to get up off of his throne and do what I have paid him to do with my tithe. Oh. I'm by myself this morning, so I'm going to talk to myself. Um, um, I, I know that we should be singing tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. But brothers and sisters, it's kind of hard to trust God when you don't hear his voice. It's kind of hard to trust God in the meantime, in between time, when God is not speaking. And it seems like he's silent and you don't have an answer from him. Oh, man, can I come closer to you? It's kind of hard to trust God when your loved one is sick up in the hospital and God ain't doing nothing about it. Oh, it's very tough to trust God when I have to pay my mortgage because my house is about to be foreclosed on, but then God is asking me to pay tithe too. I just don't get it, and I don't like waiting on God to move. Every now and again, I just don't agree with God's timeline. Why God always wants me to wait when I know, in fact, he ought to be moving right now. Well, I studied this thing and I began to research why it is that myself and we as a people, 
we hate waiting. We just hate waiting in general. And truth be told, there is a psychology behind waiting. <laughs> psychology behind it. Most scientists have discovered that, that there are eight reasons why people hate waiting. Reason number one, it is because unoccupied time feels longer than occupied time. <laughs> when you have something to distract yourself, it seems like time is ticking off the clock more quickly. That is why, brothers and sisters, some hotels put mirrors in the elevators because if you all have to go all the way to the top, to the 50th floor, at least you get a chance to listen to the music and look at yourself and do your hair to keep yourself distracted for a little while. And it seems like you're getting to the floor in record time. And what I would tell you today is while you are waiting on God, I would pray today that you not be lazy while you are waiting for God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I would adjure you today to work while you wait and wait on God while you work. I'm not telling you to move ahead of God, but just don't sit down in the darkness, in the deep, dark wilderness of your despair and constantly ruminate on the problems of your life. Get up and praise God in advance anyway for what you believe he is going to do in your life. Bless somebody. Pray for somebody. Go and help somebody. Tell them, I don't have anything to give you, but I can pray with you. I can, I can, I can, I can, I can bless you. I can encourage you. Just don't sit down and wallow in your despair. You do that unoccupied time. Seems longer than occupied time. Well, reason number two, uh, people just want to get started. That's why restaurants give you a menu while you wait. <laughs> Because people want to order what they have, so by the time they get to their table, it is waiting for them. Here's what I discovered about that. I have a lot of friends right now who know me very well. And if I happen to show up at the restaurant late, which would never happen because I'm never late, okay, never. If I came to the restaurant late and the waitress was already there taking our order, if I stepped out to go to the bathroom and the waitress was there and they asked, you know, what would I like? My friends know me so well that they would say, oh, John would like a raspberry tea. John would like fettuccine Alfredo with broccoli and mushrooms. That's my favorite at Olive Garden. They would tell them that because they know that's what I want. And the problem we have with waiting is that we feel as though God, at the end of the day, is not going to get it right. <laughs> When we get down to the end of when he's finally going to move. While we are waiting, we're thinking that God is not going to get exactly right what we want. But what I have discovered in my life is this. God knows what I like. And not only does he know what I like, God knows what is best for me in the long run. And before I get to the point of need, God has already put my order in for what I need when I get there. Oh, you just missed that. That's why the word of God says, if you just delight yourself in the Lord, please receive this promise today. If you delight yourself in the Lord, God will give you the desires of your heart. I'm not just saying God's going to give you what you need. The word of God says God will also give you what you want. Delight yourself in him. And God will grant you the desires of your heart. So by the time you get down to the end of your road and the end of your experience, God already knows what you need before you get there. Does not the word of God say, before you call, I will answer. Mm. Well, also people don't like waiting because it seems as though anxiety seems to make the wait seem longer. If you think you've chosen the slowest line in Walmart, and there's a lot of them, or the slowest line at the drugstore, or you're worried about getting a seat on the plane, it always makes the wait seem longer. And I love what my friend used to tell me about worry. He's a preacher as well. He told me this. He said, John, worry is like a treadmill. It just gives you something to do, but it don't take you nowhere. Hmm. So you can worry all day, all long, and just worry and blow this bubble up big, big, big in your mind. But it's not going to take you, at least it's not going to take you anywhere positive. And that's why God says to us today, be anxious for nothing. Hmm. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, make your request be made known unto the Lord. And the God of peace shall grant you peace that passes all understanding. Am I talking to myself this morning? God says you ought not to be anxious. And while you are waiting on God to move and while you are waiting for an answer from him, you ought to be able to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You ought to be able to say, our God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. You ought to be able to say, God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I will wait on the Lord to see what the end is going to be. But they also say, they also say, you ought not be anxious. They also say the reason people hate waiting is because uncertain waits are longer than known or finite waits. Let me help you with that. People will wait more calmly when they are told, uh, brother, brother Kashim, uh, the doctor will see you in 30 minutes. But people get uneasy and they start to hate waiting when somebody says, oh, the doctor will see you soon. No, no, no. There's a difference there. People want a, 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 a time frame, specific and detailed. And most of the time, we don't have the, the, we don't have the, 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 the luxury of asking God why. God never, hardly ever answers the question why. Then they say also, unexplained waits are longer than explained waits. We wait more patiently for the pizza guy when we know that there's a thunderstorm outside because, okay, he got hung up in the thunderstorm or something like that. We know that the plane is delayed because there is a snowstorm out there and the plane cannot take off. We understand that. But if somebody just tells you the plane is delayed, well, why is the plane delayed? Give me some kind of explanation as to why I'm waiting here in the airport and you're not taking me anywhere to where I have to go. People can understand waiting for that. But we, also, we just don't have the luxury of asking God why. And most of the time while we're waiting and while we're going through, and Job seems to be a perfect, a perfect example right here. The Bible says in one day he lost his family. He lost everything, his cattle, his money, his home, all of his riches. And all the while he's sitting there in a dung pit scraping his boils and asking God, God, why are you doing this to me? Word of God says that God doesn't even speak up to him until Job chapter 40, where God says, comes to him in a whirlwind and basically says to him, it's not for you to know why. Have you put the sun in the sky? Have you put the moon above and the stars there? Have you laid out this earth? Have you put it at the proper axis? Do you know the animals that I have created? Do you know the times and the seasons? Can you control your own body or its regulation? Can you keep yourself in a state of homeostasis by yourself? I am the one that makes you whole. I am the one that heals you. I am God and I am sovereign. (laughs) Unexplained weights just seem longer. Then explain weights. Then they also say there's unfair weights seem to be longer than equitable weights. And I'll just say this here and keep on moving. Sometimes the waiting that we have to do just don't make no doggone sense. Let's move on. Number seven. They say that the more valuable the service, the longer the customer will wait. The truth is you wait longer to see the doctor or the surgeon when you are sick more than you will wait to see a sales clerk at some store. You will wait in line longer, more patiently, when you're in line for an iPad, not a tablet, an iPad. (laughs) More so than you would for some generic item like a toothbrush or something of that nature. But because the more valuable the service that is going to be given to you, the more patiently you will wait for that thing. And here is a note for all of us today. Maybe we should train our minds to think of the good things that God has in store for us for the future. This is a text that is on my mind right now, and I cannot let this thing go. The just shall live by faith. I do not live by what I see around me in my present circumstances. I live by faith of what is going to be, even though I do not see it, I trust what God is saying. Last but not least, they seem to say that solo weights feel longer than group weights. Oh, this is good now. The more people engage with each other, 
the less they notice the wait time. In fact, in some situations, waiting in line is actually a part of the experience. You know how y'all do when y'all get together and you see somebody from church that you have not seen in a while. Hey, how you doing? All this kind of stuff. Want to talk to each other, slap hands, hug each other, kiss each other. You get to start talking and before you know it, you're already up at the register even though it was a long line. The truth is time passes longer when you have more people around you to support you. And what you must tell yourself is, is that even if nobody is with me in this waiting period, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is with with me in this thing and I am not alone and on top of that this waiting time that I am in right now is just a part of the experience to develop me to stretch me to grow me and to take me where God is leading me oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. what I find what I find what I find that the biggest tragedy of God's people is that we constantly take matters into our own hands Always want to speed up God, speed up the process, get behind him and start pushing him so that he gets to the finish line quicker. We always want to find an easier, quicker way. We always want to get where we think we ought to be before God is actually ready to take us there. And when we finally get to wherever there is, sometimes we find out that God is not there waiting for us. Because we have moved ahead of God, (laughs) because we have ran full speed ahead, because we think this is what we deserve or this is what we need or this is what we want, even at the regret of what God wants to give for us, we finally realize that when we get there, God is not there and the blessings that we should have had are not there because we did not wait on God. Am I making sense today? Uh Uh-uh. And we get stuck at the end of the day with this phrase, if I had only waited, if I had only held out a little while longer, if I had not been in so much of a rush, God could have done something in my life. You've heard this before, but there was a man, met a young lady who just blew his mind, y'all. Beautiful woman. Full package seemed to be everything that he ever wanted. He rushed ahead and decided to get married, didn't pray about that thing, didn't ask God, didn't talk about his parents, just went off and got married. Well, they got to the hotel room for their honeymoon. (laughs) And in that room, as they prepared for the honeymoon act, amen, the sister began to take off her wig. Then she began to take the makeup off of her face. Oh, but not only that. She began to take off her fake eyelashes, take out her contacts. Oh, I forgot this. She began to take out her fake teeth. (laughs) Began to take off everything, her earrings and her jewelry and everything that had put, been put on her to make her look beautiful. And by the time the brother saw what she looked like <laughs> from what he saw before, he wished that he had waited. <laughs> Help me, Lord, today. I got so many friends today who are married right now who tell me the truth. John, take your time <laughs> because I wish today that I had waited for what God really had for me. I wish I had just, I love my wife, but I just wish I had spent more time praying about this thing. I wish I had spent more time seeking God on this thing. I wish I had not been in so much of a rush. And I guess what I'm trying to tell you today is, brothers and sisters, don't be in so much of a rush in any area of your life where God has not spoken. I don't want you to get down to the end of the line and regret and be in remorse for where you end up in in, in, in comparison to where God wanted to take you. Not waiting on God is cheating yourself out of the best blessing that you could have in your life. You may not believe this, but even God asking us to wait, (laughs) that is a gift of grace. It frees us from the plans of our own imaginings and devisings. 
Because waiting helps us to cease from building our own small, myopic, small, uh, minuscule little kingdoms and focus on the bigger picture in store that God has for each and every one of us. So here it is. The disciples said, Jesus, I'm just reading the text, verse 6. What about us? What about the kingdom? We've spent three and a half years following you. We've been through hardship and through trial. We've left our wife and our kids. By the way, how many of you have been serving God and you just feel like you should have gotten more from God than you have right now? Amen. How many of you feel right now that at some point in your life, it just seems as though God should have blessed you a little bit more? You've been faithful. You've been trying to do what's right. You've stopped doing this. You've stopped doing that. You've curbed all of your addictions. You come to church on time. You do what you have to do. But it still seems at some point that you have more problems on this end than you did on the other end. Disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, what about us in our kingdom? When are you going to restore it to us? When are we going to get our share for following you? When are we going to get blessed? When are, where are our mansions on high that you talked about in John 14? Where is our crown? Where is our robe? Where is our ring? Where is our power? Jesus said, brothers, don't worry about your little old kingdom. Don't you dare ask me again when or why. It is not for you to know the times and the seasons. Sometimes God does not even want you to know the time period. Your job is to learn to wait on me for whenever I'm ready to move. I can just imagine kingdom. We talking about the kingdom right now? You you are barely converted right now. The disciples did not even know what Jesus really came to do. Oh, y'all not with me. They had spent three and a half years with him. Jesus went into the tomb and died, came back out the entire time he had been preaching to them. And even while he's on his, the last leg of his ministry, going back to heaven, they still don't get it. Jesus, what about us? What about our kingdom? Where's our blessing that we know we were supposed to have? Jesus says to them, go back to Jerusalem and wait on my word. Now get this. Jesus had just resurrected in Jerusalem, did he not? And then Jesus told them, wait in Jerusalem. Oh, you'll get it in a second. Jesus just resurrected in Jerusalem. Then he said, wait in Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus told his disciples to wait in the last place they saw him move. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Jesus had just been resurrected in Jerusalem. He had just did the biggest miracle of his entire life. He had just beat death. They were all witnesses of that. Then Jesus says, I want you to go back to the same place you saw me move last and stay there and wait for my next word. Some of us need to zero in on the last word God has said to us and not move another inch until we get another word from the Lord. Y'all not with me today and you don't even believe what I'm saying. Some of us are trying to move ahead of God. We're trying to make, we're trying to answer our own prayers Make things happen before God's time. God says, listen, just hang on to the last word that I said. And when you hear another word, then you can move. You take that any way you want. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem. You ain't even ready for the rest of the world yet. Don't you be talking about the kingdom. Don't you be talking about royalty and crowns and blessings. Blessings, you can't even handle blessings. You're not doing everything right. You don't even understand why I came to earth. You don't even know why I died. You don't even know that I came to save sinners. You don't even want to pay your tithe faithfully. You around here telling God, well, the way my tithe is set up, I can't really pay it that way. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Can you imagine if the disciples had left and went out in their power, in their own power? Can you imagine if they tried to work this thing out on their own and convert people all by themselves? These brothers at this point, some of them were not even converted yet. Some of them did not know 
God's plan. And for them to go out into the world and spread the good news of Jesus Christ or try to, or to set people free from demons, they would have got beat up and beat down by the demons, inhabited by demons, and the word and the kingdom of God would not have advanced. God, knowing that, says, listen, you're not even ready yet. Some of us, we ain't even ready yet. What you're asking God for right now, he will not give you. I'm speaking a prophetic word right now. Some of us will not get what we want from God because we have not learned to wait on him. God is trying to give us time to grow in this thing. God is trying to give us time to develop ourselves so that we learn how to trust in him for everything that we need and stop moving ahead of him. Jesus said, wait on me. Oh, I love this word today. If you wait on me, I'll give you power. I'll give you authority. I'll give you strength. I'll give you boldness. I'll make this thing worth the wait. Don't worry, I'm almost done. Not only did Jesus say, I will give you power from the Holy Spirit when he comes on you. (laughs) Oh, I love this. Verse 8. Jesus says, and you will also be my witnesses Mm -hmm. in Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters, you cannot be a witness if you ain't never seen nothing. You, you, you can't be a witness if you were never there in the first place. You, you, you can't be a witness if you ain't seen nothing, you ain't heard nothing, you ain't been there, you don't know the facts, you don't know the details or the specifics. You are not a very credible witness. And many of us have not waited on God for anything in our lives. Okay, okay. We have not put him to the test. We have not tried God. We have not exercised our faith. Many of us have gotten so used to handling our own issues that we ain't even given God enough time in our lives to move on our behalf. Many of us have not done what the scripture says, and it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We don't even know how to trust in God. (laughs) Many of us have not exercised any faith in our lives. Many of us are so used to handling issues on our own. We don't launch out into the deep. We don't walk out onto water when God calls us to. We don't try to feel our way in the darkness just because God said, I told you to go. We do not exercise any type of faith. And for God to call upon us to be a witness, nobody would be saved. Because we have never experienced him in the first place. And here's our flawed thinking. Oh, boy. Our flawed thinking is that we think that we are the ones on trial. No, 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 no. Brothers and sisters, God is on trial. (laughs) Let me see if I, I don't even know if I have more words to say this way. God is the one that is sitting behind the defendant's table. God is the one that is on trial for this world and even unfallen worlds. God is the one who is on trial in the hearts and minds of people that are outside of the ark of safety and are wondering whether God is real at all or whether he is who he says he is. God is on trial as to whether he can actually bless us and heal us. God is on trial to whether he actually lived or died. God is on trial as to whether he is good, he is loving, he is just at all. It's not us that is on trial. The Bible says we're not on trial. God is on trial. We are simply witnesses. Oh. And God is hoping that when Satan or anybody subpoenas you, you have a testimony that you waited on the Lord and you know who he is. Oh, gosh, gosh, gosh. Please don't take the stand, brothers and sisters, until you've got your story together. If I were to serve you your papers today and call upon you to give a testimony to get Jesus Christ off of death row, would your testimony stand in court? Would your witness stand for him? Oh, let me give you an example. Well, your honor, uh, I heard the pastor say the other day uh, that we should do the objection, your honor, hearsay. That person doesn't have an experience with God. They're just saying what the preacher told them last week. 
Well, 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 I, I think that somewhere in the Bible, maybe it's the spirit of prophecy. I'm not sure. Maybe in Matthew, maybe Luke, maybe John, maybe one of the minor prophets, Amos. I think the Bible says something like this. Objection, Your Honor. Speculation. They don't even know what they believe. Well, 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 Your Honor, I think that somewhere in our doctrines and in our beliefs, in, 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 in our fundamental beliefs, 28 of them, that our women cannot wear pants and men must be suited and booted and everybody has to come in the same way and say happy Sabbath the same way and we have to cook the veggie meat this way and do that and do this. Objection, Your Honor. It's irrelevant. It's immaterial. It has nothing to do. What has God done for you? somebody were to call you to the stand today <laughs> oh boy what, what 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 kind of witness would you ever have for god it's evident from the case brothers and sisters that the majority of us have never really waited and trusted in god for what he promised and what i really believe today is that we need a few expert witnesses from hebrews chapter 11 come here enoch for a moment will you take the stand yes i will i swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth you see the truth is i was walking with god one day i was talking with him i had given my life to him so much and as we were talking we literally got carried away into the highest heaven and i'm just here to tell you today that god is faithful to those who believe oh well there's a few more welcome here Noah yes my name is Noah I swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth God asked me to build a boat one day <laughs> all of my family and my friends they thought I was crazy we had never actually seen rain before so we didn't know what God was talking about but you know what I stayed faithful to God I waited for him for the rain that was going to come I trusted in what he said and I'm just here to testify today that God knows what he's doing well, why don't, why, why don't you come here, Abraham, and speak to us? Come up to the take the witness stand. Oh, yes, my name is Abraham. I, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I, I remember that I was 70 years old. I was in my old age, and I heard a voice in my ear one night telling me, Abraham, get up out of thy father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And at that moment, I decided that I'm just going to follow this voice. I didn't really know who it was, but I trusted the voice that I heard. I waited on God to get me to that promised land, and I just believed today and I'm a witness that not only does God knows what he's doing God knows where he's going oh 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 well 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 we need a few more today because we need a few expert witnesses to make this case sound so Jesus doesn't get put to death again um, um Sarah won't you come here for a second yes my name is Sarah I swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth God told me in my old age that I was going to conceive and bear a child and of course I laughed at God for a moment because I really didn't believe it but then I, I remember that my my husband was the father of the faithful and I know that God has blessed us so many times along the way and so I just decided to wait and trust in God. It's recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, y'all. I began to wait and trust in God. And then one day I felt this strange sensation in my belly, even in my old age. And what I'm here to tell you today and to witness about God is that God is faithful to his promises. Oh, well, 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 come here, Joseph. Oh, we love your story. Joseph, I know that you don't have much to say about God. I'm sure you don't. But would you please take the stand today and witness for us? Yes, my name is Joseph. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I was there with my family, and God had given me the gift of interpreting visions and dreams. And I didn't know what they meant, but my brothers were jealous of me. They put me in a pit, and from the pit, they took me to Potiphar's house. I was accused of rape. They then sent me to the prison. But God worked that thing out somehow that he moved me into the palace. And now I can say, that my story is I've moved from the pit from 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 Potiphar's house to the prison to the palace and now into praise and what I want to witness to you today is all things work together for good for them who love the Lord for them who are called according to his promises God knows what he's doing well come here Samson I got a few more for you because I feel I haven't hit a few numbers and I can go all day believe you me Samson won't you take the stand yes I will my name is Samson I swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth yes I messed up in my life yes I slept with many women that God told me not to yes I gave my heart to a harlot named Delilah she cut my hair and she ended my strength but while I was there in between two pillars <laughs> I prayed to God 
God one last time and God gave me another chance to defeat my enemies. And what I want to tell you today is that our God is a God of second chances. Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 okay. Well, come here, Joshua. Joshua, will you please take the stand today? Yes, I will. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. It seems like everybody has already said everything that God is. But what I will say is this. Moses had died at one point and I was left to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. I did not think that God would lead me in. I was not sure of how he was going to work this thing out. But God said, go in and take the land. Well, Jericho was the strongest city during that time. They had fortified walls and I did not know how we were going to overcome that. But I listened and I waited for the word of God. God told me to walk around that city seven times. (laughs) And then on the seventh day, the seventh time, just to shout aloud and praise God in advance for what he is going to do. And what I'm here to tell you today is nothing can stand in the way of God when he is ready to move. There is no door that God shuts that any man can open. And there is no door that God opens that any man can shut. Can I give you at least one more? I just feel good about this thing today. Oh, there's also Gideon. Gideon, will you take the stand? Yes, I will. I swear to tell the truth. Whole truth. Nothing but the truth. I was there treading grapes at that time. I was a nobody, but God made me a mighty man of valor. Amalekites were, were attacking the Israelite community, and God called me to be a soldier and to witness for him and to fight this battle. And God took me and just 300 men, and we defeated the entire city of the Amalekites. And what I want to tell the people of God today in defense of God is that God can do a lot with a little. Mm-hmm. <sighs> then the Bible says that <laughs> all these people have taken the stand. It's right there in Hebrews chapter 11. But if you flip the page and go to Hebrews chapter 12, then the Bible says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded By such a great cloud of witnesses. Witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin that doth so easily beset us and run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised the shame and is now set down at the right hand of God. God told his disciples, listen to me, brothers. Don't you be so hurry to get what you think you want and what you think you need in this life. Wait on me. Stop like Moses at the Red Sea and cry aloud, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stop what you are doing. Just chill. Wait and wait for me to move. Why did God tell them that? God told them that simply this. God told the disciples to wait so that they could be a witness. If you were called to the stand today, what would you say, brothers and sisters? As we get ready to go into evangelism, what are you going to tell somebody else if you've never taken the time to at least try to trust in God? When have you set aside time to say, I'm not going to move from this thing. God ain't told me to do this. Amen. God didn't tell me to take one more step in this direction. I'm staying right here. In fact, Holy Spirit, stake me down, strap me in, help me to stay grounded in this thing because I do not want to move unless your spirit tells me to. God told his disciples, brothers, this is the biggest thing to ever happen to this world. There is no plan B. It just all hangs on you. And unless you have the power of my spirit in you, you can do no good. Christ said, brothers, just wait. <laughs> Take your time. Chillax for a moment. Just wait. Just relax. Just, 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 just hold on for a second. Just stay put right now. Just live by every, don't live by bread alone. Live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Whatever I tell you, that's what I want you to do. Don't waste time trying to fix everything and handle everything before it's time because only everything is beautiful in God's timing. God sent me today to say one word to you. God said, wait. I don't know who you are or what you're dealing with today, but I heard God's voice loud and clear. I have read this text a million times. I have preached this text two or three times already. But in this, I see God saying, John, wait. Center yourself. Find out what I'm saying first. Wait for my Holy Spirit to lead you. Wait till you have power. Wait. So when you finally get a chance to look back on this thing, You'll be able to say beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Lord did that. (laughs) 
God, you moved me. Mm. God, you took me to this place. And where I am right now, I'm happy. I'm, in, I'm at peace. I'm, I'm in a place of contentment right now. God, you have brought me a mighty, mighty long way. Is that good news to anybody today? Does anybody want to wait on God today? Oh. Got one last thing. Go ahead, brother. Oh. This past week, I got a testimony from a young lady who attends this church. She doesn't mind me sharing with her. With you guys today. <laughs> All her life, she has not known her biological family. Ashley knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> she did not know who they were <laughs> at all. All she knew was her adoptive parents. She's been through a lot. She has been homeless numerous times. She has found herself in precarious predicaments, and I only know this because I've prayed with her and I've talked to her on several occasions. She had a child and had to care for that thing for herself. And many times she wanted to give up on God in a serious way. And one day she was walking down 105 and heard you all, Glenville SDA Church, just making some noise for 40 for family. She came in, and she has never left. Oh, that's not the testimony yet. <laughs> you ain't heard nothing yet. Um, the other day, she was at her job, am I right? At her job there. And a woman saw her from a distance and came up to her and said to her, Excuse me, is your name Ashley? He said, yes. Why do you ask? The woman began to say to her, Ashley, I know you're not going to believe this, but I'm your sister. <clears throat> and we've been looking for you all this time. <clears throat> when, when we were taken away from our mother we knew that a baby was born small baby and 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 we knew that our mother told us to look after each other (laughs) but every time we asked after we grew up every time we asked about you they told us that you did not exist and that you were not real we've been searching for you and the truth is we knew your first name but we did not know your last We kind of found out what school you went to, but because of legal issues, we could not approach you the way that we wanted to. But Ashley, I just want you to know that we're your sister, we're your family, and we love you, and we're here for you. And and while I was driving back up from Columbus, I was talking to her. I just had to ask her, Ashley, I just want to know, were you praying for this? I mean, were you waiting on God to move? Were you, were you trusting in him? Were you, I know that you were filled with regret and remorse and that you were fearful and that all these things and you didn't want to forgive them for leaving you and all this stuff. But I just, were you praying about this thing? Were you talking to God? She said, Pastor, I have been praying about this thing for about as long as I can think. <laughs> Asking God to reveal to me who my family was. Many times I wanted to give up, but I waited on God and I prayed to him to reveal to me who my family wants. And one day out of the blue, oh God, thank you, Lord. A woman showed up out of nowhere and told me that she is my family. I hope you don't mind me sharing this second part too. Ashley also said, <laughs> She's kind of afraid right now of them coming into her life because she doesn't know them that well. She doesn't know anything about them. She's afraid. She's made headway in the church and with God. Her relationship with God is good. She's learned how to wait on the Lord. She's trusted in him. That girl is involved in this church. The Holy Spirit put in my mind at that point that God's timing is perfect. Because had she met them before she met God, She may not have the testimony that she has right now. And just like Esther, God may have preserved her 
for such a time as this. Mm. To bring her family into the church, maybe to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to tell you what happens when you wait and you trust in God, brothers and sisters. It is dark just before the dawn where you just hold on and trust God. Oh, man. Somebody today, stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. I want to be done. Stand to your feet. Somebody today, somebody, somebody. Oh, don't wait. Don't linger. Please, please. Some of you right now, you just want to say, Pastor, I want to learn how to trust in God. Make your way to the front. I'm not going to make this thing long. I need more confidence right now. I'm going through something right now in my life, and I need you to pray for me today because I want to learn how to wait on God. I'm always handling situations by myself. Uh, Somebody's sick in my family. Cannot pay my bills. Whatever it is, I don't know. But you need to make your way down to the front right now because I want to learn to wait on God. God said it's worth the wait today. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. So tired nowadays. I'm tired of moving ahead of God and finding myself in a situation where he is not. I'm tired of going places. I'm tired of ending up somewhere down the road and realize that I really made a horrible mistake. And if I had just waited on God, God would have shown me the way. Anybody feel like that often? I feel like that all the time. You're here today. You're here down today because... You want to pray that God gives you confidence and boldness just to wait on him. You want to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I don't say that lightly, y'all. I'm not saying that uh, just as preacher jargon today. I mean that. That my life will be ruled by God. For God I will live and for God I will die. I will not go according to my impulses. I will not go according to logic. I will not listen to my feelings. I will not listen to the lies of the devil and what he tells me. I will wait on the Lord for whatever his word is for me. Somebody today, I don't want to leave here. You've never truly given your life to Christ. Heads about, eyes are closed. Pray for somebody, if you will, all over this building. You never tried God for yourself. If you really want to give your life to Christ, if you say, today, Pastor, I want to join a Bible-believing church, or maybe not that, Pastor, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to, to, to get into a relationship with him. Won't you raise your hand and come down front right now? Don't be afraid. Don't be timid today. God has spoken. I'm telling you today, last night as I was studying his word, God spoke that thing so clear to me. Just wait on the Lord. And maybe the problem is today, maybe it is because you're...